Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace coming to you from Podcast at Ground Zero Studios. Uh, we're going to be doing our third episode today. We're going to be talking about commerce and the apocalypse. And uh, what we have today besides Mr. Adam Scott Glancy, our standard co-host, we have two other guest hosts uh, that are going to be with us today. We have Mike Verhola. Mike, say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Okay, and we have be here. You know, yes, and we also have Richard and Richard uh, Bosley. <laughs> Bosley, thank you. I, like I said last time, I'm terrible with names. Okay, you can't remember Dick Bosley. No, I can't. I cannot. I cannot remember Dick Bosley. But thank you for that. Wow. So yeah. uh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> so Mike and Richard are joining us today. Uh, they are friends, uh, friends of ours, friends of the apocalypse, friends in the game industry, and they've worked on materials related to the apocalypse. And uh, Mike, uh, tell us, uh, just give us a brief overview of who you are, just a couple of sentences, you know, who you are, what you do. I'm the founder of Skirmisher Publishing. Uh, I publish role-playing games and tabletop games, and some of what I uh, publish are post-apocalyptic uh, source books, uh, mostly ones for use with the um, uh, mutant future uh, uh, system, which is sort of a gamma world retro club. And that's also you also put out the uh, Wasteland Weekly, correct? Yeah, uh, Wisdom from the Wasteland, Wisdom from the Wasteland. Uh, is a publication that we come out with approximately twice a month, and it's it's somewhere between a basic system and a system free uh, a small publication. Uh, that is just pure crunch uh, of material that can be used with post-apocalyptic role-playing games. Okay. So mutations, and, weapons, what have you. And uh, Chris uh, Van Dielen, who was on with us last time, uh, He's mentioned it as well. He, he does some writing for that as well. So again, everybody he, see he the, write, con he the connections we got here? Actually. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Richard, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, well, I, I predominantly just do writing and game design stuff. Um, my blog is probably the thing that most people would be familiar with. And uh, I basically tell people like how games work, I mean, dissecting the uh, intricacies of design and you know, like how they can use those for implementing their own things. Excellent. And part of the reason, guys, I want the, the everybody, the, our viewers to know that I want to have Richard on because Richard wrote an article about creating uh, monetary systems for role-playing games. So it's, again, related to commerce and how, like Richard said, how it's kind of wanky and hard to do. So I want, you know, he has a good uh, perspective on, you know, money and economics. And then, of course, Mr. Glancy. How are you doing this week, Mr. Glancy? Just fine. Uh, by the way, Mr. Wallace, you said we were broadcasting from uh, the, uh, the, the um, <clears throat> podcast at Ground Zero Studios. Where exactly are those studios located? Is, is it near Prime Base? Um, I cannot disclose its current location. I noticed the um, that was coming. The patch on the jacket behind you there uh, would would seem to suggest that it's near Prime Base. Oh, you mean that jacket right back there? With That's the, it. That's the one. Everybody, again, more of my geekery. My uh, Morrow Project patch on my M65 field jacket. Okay, just again to show more of my uh, post-apocalyptic geek cred because I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> and, I al and also, well, since we're going to do that real quick, let's digress for a second here. Do we see, uh, see if this could focus here. This dog tag here, you probably can't see it very well. I actually had Morrow Project dog tags made up from a company that does dog tags. So, 
Yeah, now, I'm, I'm, it, I'm, that I, I'm that dedicated to the art. <laughs> I understand being uh, excited about the Mara Project, but I got to tell you, for everyone who knows about the Mara Project, I'll bet you only one in ten ever played it. Um, I, I, I played it. I played it once, one session, really? and it went horribly wrong because the DM was terrible. Oh. So, oh, well. but what are you going to do? Classics of the nuclear age. Moving along. Exactly. Okay, folks, uh, just a couple of quick tidbits for uh, in the news, a couple of things I've uh, run across. Let me pull this up here. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard of uh, Mr. M. Night Shyamalan's next uh, movie coming out called After Earth, which seems like a pretty cool post-apocalyptic type scenario, but it really but, is. But it is, it is M. Night Shyamalan, and he can, he can fuck up a good idea better than almost anybody <laughs> out there. Really. Ex exactly. So, I mean, I've seen the trailers again, and it's just, you know, Will Smith and his kid it just does not look, ugh, does not look good. Is it his actual kid kid playing his kid? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Well, of course, you know, nepotism in film. But, <laughs> but you know what? I'll wind up seeing it on Netflix or something because it's post-apocalyptic, and I want to see, I want to see the world settings. So, Dude, uh, you, you watched, you watched Deathlands uh, Homecoming, or, you know, or, or so... If you watch that, you're going to watch this. Exactly. And then another uh, movie I heard about once, and now I've seen it. I just saw a trailer for it again. It's called The Colony. I don't know if you've heard about this. That's a TV series. No, 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 no. Not The Colony, which we'll, we're going to talk about one week. There's okay. a movie called The Colony coming out, uh, which takes place in uh, the next Ice Age, and it's kind of in the north. And there are separate, like, there's, like, last bastion colonies of, of, uh, of mankind, like, spread throughout. And apparently one of them, they lost, like, there's, like, two, there's one base, like, colony number seven lost contact with number five, which is the last one they've been in contact with. So they got to go find out to find out what the fuck's going on. Are they the last people left on Earth? It looks like, it, again, it looks like it could be fairly interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, the Colony, like you say, you have a chance. Just look it up, the Colony movie, and I'm sure you could find it. it looks, it looks fairly uh, interesting. I guess we haven't had a cold apocalypse since what, the day after tomorrow, uh, or maybe Quintet. Yeah, the, the day after Quintet. tomorrow. Yeah, Glancy mentions Quintet. Uh, Jared and I were just talking about that last week, Scott. Yeah, uh, Mike brought that up to me. I was not aware of that movie, so. It's it's sort of a post-apocalypse, or at the very least, a dystopia uh, after the apocalypse. Um, what, what do you use for your quintet pieces, uh, Scott? <laughs> what are your three quintet I, I, pieces? I use the carved leg bones of my victims. That's what I <laughs> Or Or perhaps it would be more appropriate to have a, what, a walrus tusk quintet piece or something? Well, remember, everybody had three, three identical tokens, uh, and all the tokens were... Uh, unique. So here, here are my uh, my quintet tokens. Uh, this is Very what nice. I use when I play quintet. Those we've actually got the rules for quintet posted to our uh, D Infinity website. So uh, can we post that in archive uh, after the show? Absolutely. Just send me the Did link. Conspirators after the before the fact for all the homicides that are going to take place. <laughs> I mean, which version of quintet are we talking about? The, the homicidal one. The homicide. Oh, absolutely. And it's a five-person game, so only one of us. Uh, we'd have to get one more, and only one would walk away. So nice. there you go. I'm interested in following up on that. So, so, so those are some movies that I uh, saw coming out. And a friend of mine sent me a link to this uh, 
zombie bedroom set. Well, you know, it's like sheets with blood and so it, was, it wasn't that interesting. But it, but but it. Uh, oh yeah, it's like you know blood on the sheets and hands. It wasn't that interesting, but. What it did was take me to some links. Now, fortunately, these are all over in England. There's like this group that kind of does what Mac McLaughlin does. Our, our friend of ours from uh, what, what is what's the name of his company again? Uh, Mind Game Productions. Mind Game Productions. It does airsoft. They have an abandoned mall that they've you know kind of tweaked out a little bit, and they give you guns and they put you against like this hordes of zombies running through. And I saw a couple of videos on it. looked It looked like it could be fairly interesting. It's like, oh, I wouldn't mind checking that out. You know, so that looked. Uh, but again, it's over England. How does McLaughlin swing this? He got an abandoned. Oh no, 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 no! Like our friend Mac McLaughlin does. Okay, okay, all right. Oh, so... but no, but, but the shit he pulls off is he—he's in uh, Central Florida now, and all these like, uh, what does he do, Mike? Like he gets like these like military training grounds, uh, police type right. buildings, and and and. Uh, like little villages, and he does runs all these like uh, like Fallout style airsoft games. Yeah, here. it's he, crazy. He's doing stuff like on on like a two hundred acre uh, military training facilities. He's actually done like military reenactments for airsoft with a hundred guys on each side, and he brings in active duty black ops colonels to lead each side of the. Uh, it's ex Spetsnaz guys. Oh yeah, it's 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 absolutely fanatical crap. Yeah, it's crazy. He's over the top. Holy yeah, shit. yeah, he does Camp some really Blanding. good shit. It's Camp Blanding uh, down in your neck of the woods, Jared. Oh, I, I, I remember Camp They've actually got an uh, area that's constructed to look like a part of um, uh, Vietnam War stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. well, Scott, you, Scott used to live in Orlando, so Scott knows that area. Yeah. I, I remember Camp Blanding from Twilight 2000. It was one oh. of those, it was one of those locations that came up and reading one of the one of the gazetteers for you know. The you know U.S. A U.S. Army guide, the 104th Infantry Division, has got a base at Camp Blanding, Florida. I don't know what the hell it was until I looked it up. But yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know how Mac gets away with that. Anyways, moving on. Because he's a good. Because he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got Apparently, the money. Apparently, yeah, sure, we'll open our facility to you. No Rock, rock star personality. He does. He does. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about money and commerce, uh, because again, I want to talk about. We're going to talk about this week, money, commerce, and the apocalypse. Because, well, what is money? What is commerce? What is currency? You know, uh, again, currency is what we what we know today is paper money that supposedly is backed by gold, because that is what our not society more. deems is we, not we, anymore. We, we've, we killed the gold standard. We're off that now. Oh, so now we decided that money is now only a representation of what our Net economy is worth. Ah, okay. So that's what that's what we're on now. We haven't been on the gold standard since what? Roosevelt? Was it Roosevelt who uh, killed the gold standard? FDR? Yeah, but I think the Not only that. functional difference is when we were on a gold standard, you were supposed to be able to bring a twenty dollar bill into a bank and yep. theoretically redeem it for gold. Uh, yep. The only only functional difference, and there, you know, people will tell you that this is a big difference. But the only functional difference is now you can't walk into a bank and demand twenty dollars worth of gold at the current value. Uh, but but mostly you're not going to be doing that. Mostly you're going to be buying a cup of coffee and buying groceries, and uh, so you know most people don't need to be doing that anyway. Yeah, but um, even in the ancient world, currency was never uh, Roman currency. Anyways, was never actually worth the precious metal it was made out of. It was always uh, even Roman currency, Sestari and Denarii were always, um, you know, what do you call it, uh, diluted with baser metals. 
it was always sort of a representation of this is just what our economy is worth. This is, you know, it's 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 backed by the empire. It's backed by the United States. Or in the case of bottle caps and fallout, backed by the merchants of the hub. So you oh, yeah. can come in, your, your bottle caps are worth something, so long as you're close enough to use them or redeem them eventually in the hub, the further away, the less value they, they become. Which oh, I, I think it's interesting, Scott, that you bring up the, the fact of uh, you know the Roman Empire, because uh, if you look at the word salary, the word salary is rooted you know in the word salt because that's what the Roman soldiers were paid in. I mean, right. it's a, you know, like the phrase you know worth your weight in salt. Salt was way more valuable than uh, what people uh, you know you know put commodity into it today because it was how you preserve food, you know, amongst other things. So it was salt was something you used for sustaining your own life, and so it had supreme value. So it was worth more than most of the coins because the coins aren't going to keep you, you know, yeah, going through the winter. Well, I mean, coinage or or currency essentially comes down to a representation of labor. Right. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's it's something that represents units of labor that you have that your your labor was worth this much. You made a pot, you know, or you forged a sword, or you plowed a field and you harvested it. That's your right. labor turned into something uh, abstract rather than concrete. And boy. Well, it's one of the things that I think, you know, is interesting with the word currency is because, you know, it flows, you know, like the current of a river, you know, it's something that moves, you know, um, the Chinese, uh, they invented paper money and the, the expression that they had for it was flying cash or flying money because, you know, it went from your hand to somebody else's, you know, it's not like you kept it, you used it to buy whatever you needed. So you only right. had it for as long as you actually needed it, you know, on your person to accomplish whatever you needed to get the, you know, the physical objects that you needed for your survival and so on and so forth. And so, you know, you have that aspect of it. And then, you know, there's this issue of like, how much is that particular object worth? And that, that has to do with what it currently is valued at by the society. Exactly. Yeah. Currency is what, what is, what do they hold valuable? What, you know, again, what is currently, you know, what do they think is worth of value and what is it going to represent? Because otherwise we're just going back to just trading, you know, two pigs for three chickens and a cow. You know, it's just it's back to a barter system, you know, when I guess that's what eventually evolved. But uh, Mike, had, uh, me and Mike were having a conversation about it once at how the ancient the ancient Egyptians right. didn't get into the currency until the Greeks came in and forced them to be on a, on a currency right. type system. Yeah, they accepted precious metals but only at their weight for, for whatever their uh, uh, accepted value was. Uh, so gold and silver had value, but only by weight, not uh, by face value. They were very, very suspicious of the whole concept of stamped coinage, uh, in part because of what, what Scott was talking about, that the money was rarely worth what the face value of a coin said it was worth. Uh, so they were only interested in, 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 in the weight. And, and really, I, I would postulate uh, and, and I'd say can certainly uh, accept debate on this, I would postulate that a cash-based society is the exception to the rule anyway. Uh, that what we've really seen throughout history uh, has been uh, a non-cash uh, or a, a low-cash uh, type system. Feudalism is essentially a cash-free system. Interesting. I mean... Uh 
Yeah. No, sorry, I don't want to monologue here. No, 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 um, that's that's fine. No, no, it's, it's, again, we want to just kind of, like I said, establish kind of like what is currency. So now, if we take that, you know, well, our, ours our modern interpretation and understanding of it. It's like now, let's just bring it to the the future. You know, where after we've destroyed society and now we have an have an apocalypse. You know, currency is an outgrowth of specialization. It represents uh, a, a necessary common denominator in a society where everybody is doing different sorts of things. In a society where 80% of the people grow food and 20% uh, of the people fight and defend the people that are growing food or go and steal the food that the people in the kingdom next door are growing, you don't need currency. Uh, you only need currency when you've got someone who acts in the same time. agrarian society, a feudal society, the society that we've seen for 99% of human history, you don't need cash, uh, all you need is arrangements. I will grow food and I will give you 30% uh, of the food that I grow uh, in exchange for you keeping people from killing me and letting me till this land that you defend. That's it. You don't need exactly. cash for that. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's – oh, go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, you know, that kind of feeds off of what Scott said earlier about, uh, you know, the abstract, val you know, nature of the system. Right. Because how do you determine what one person's labor is worth compared to another's? You know, right. you, know you, like, you can do that with cows and chickens because, you know, the chicken lays eggs. You can, you know, keep, like, getting those eggs, but, you know, but when you kill the chicken, it doesn't have as much meat. So, you know, th there's haggling that goes on with, like, the value of that kind of thing. But if you say, like, okay, this guy is a carpenter. He's building your house. How much is his time worth for building that house for you? It's not the same thing as the silversmith or the swordsmith. You know, like, when you have somebody doing a specific function, that – that becomes a, a much more difficult thing to measure against somebody else's labor. Exactly. Now, if we take what Mike was saying about how, you know, I'll grow the food if you protect me. It's like, now, if we put that into the post-apocalyptic scenario, it, you know, it could very easily work into that. It's like, okay, we have, exactly. a group of, we have a group of survivors together, and it's like, well, we're the badasses. We got the guns, but we don't know how to grow food. Why don't you grow food, and you feed us, and we'll protect your asses? You and know? I think that is much, much more likely of an outcome uh, than the idea that, bottle caps or domars or dollars or gold coins or anything are going to likely to be a currency. Uh, I, I think uh, a, a neo-feudal system is just as likely as anything uh, to evolve in a, uh, a post-apocalyptic environment. Everybody's got to eat. I would say that is probably the um, most likely system. Scott? What's that? I was going to say, I think it would be the most likely system because you know, so. it's like you have the power exchange. You know, it's almost like the, the whole Roman, you know, uh, you know, patronage system in that right. regard. I mean, that's what feudalism feudal grew out of. It's the feudal the system patron. of the Middle Ages, which right. grew yeah. out of that Roman patronage system. Yeah. Exactly yeah. so. Hey, exactly Scott, right. you were going to say something? Oh, he's... Uh... He's never sounded better. No, he's... <laughs> no, he's... he's, he's uh, <laughs> He's Clearly, muted. I can hear though. I was just oh, gonna... there, you, there you go. Okay, now he's back, Scott. Clearly, I, uh, I was going to say that I think Metro Twenty Thirty Three has uh, has it right that one of the earliest forms of currency that's going to evolve is something they don't have in the Middle Ages, and that's ammunition. ammunition. Oh, uh, that is. They made a system in their video game and in their uh, novel that that bullets are the new currency. That you well, know, that not I... not new bullets. 
old military grade bullets were, were the currency. But well, even so, you could trade in. You could trade in. Oh uh, yeah. Reloads for for you know as well. But ammunition, something portable, something you can break into small lots. Uh, its value depends on. Well, great, you got a bunch of fifty caliber rounds, but who's got an M2 heavy barrel to put them in? But I I would suggest that in in a, a, that is that is not a currency system. Uh, currency by definition is something that has only one function. It can only be used to trade for other things. If you have a choice between putting in your gun and firing it or spending it as money, it is not a currency system. It is a a specialized barter system. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair yes, enough. it would be a barter system, but that is. Because most things I found in most apocalyptic books, movies, novels, generally tend to be barter and trade. T tends to be, right. especially right after an apocalypse, trade is the most common thing. And they don't really have a specialized barter system. Now, the bullets in Metro 23, my favorite, absolutely. Because I, I read the book, I played the game. I, I love it that they use the old bullets because now it's like, well, I'm going to die here. I can either, I can either shoot oh, my, my money... <laughs> shoot my money or save it for later, you know. So that's that's one of my my uh, one of my favorites that I actually like is, is the bullets in Metro 2033, as opposed to the one that I absolutely disdain. And uh, Richard is in is in agreement with me because I saw his post on Facebook today. Domars from, <laughs> from my favorite my favorite game, Gamma World. Actually, here let me. Uh, let me do something here as I show you. Can you actually pull out? I have a copy of Gamworld about 10 feet away. Do you want to. Should I pull out the actual section that describes Dolmars and we have a dramatic yes. reading? Yes. Please give us a dramatic. While, and while, and while, you're doing, while, you're doing, while you're doing that, I'm going to show this picture to, to everybody that I showed to Richard, which I've, I've modified a picture from the Gamworld rulebook where a guy's actually looking at it, probably a Dolmar, and it expresses my opinion of it. So hold on one moment. There you go. There you go. Domar's original old gray, nineteen eighty. Yeah, it's funny that you you mentioned the bullets versus the Domar's because I think that kind of shows the uh, the the two ends of the spectrum of uh, currency in a post-apocalyptic setting. Oh, yeah. You have one that's a metaphor for life itself, which is what money has become. It's like if you don't have money in in modern society, you're pretty much not going to live for very long because that's how we transact uh, things to keep us going. Whereas you have something useless as as plastic, which is not going to sustain you in any way. Well, well, the thing that kills me about here's what kills me about here's what kills me about Domars. Okay, I, I found the game, this section. The game was developed in the 1970s. Okay, now in the 1970s, they, their interpretation of Money and currency in the far future, when it happened, is we're not going to go digital or card cred sticks like Shadowrun. We're going to use plastic colored coins. We've advanced enough to where we could fly to the moon and shoot death rays, and we're going to use plastic colored coins for money. That's the height of technology right it was there. A, it was an analog society. Uh, there were some <laughs> mental paradigm shifts that people just hadn't made at that point. I know, but still. Yeah. Well, part of it is like it doesn't make sense if you think about it from a, 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 a logical standpoint of, I don't know, maybe that uh, all the oil that you use to make the plastic would be taken out of the energy system that you would need to sustain everything to uh, advance that far. 
Weak. Weak. It's all fusion and, and Tesla broadcast energy. Yeah, but before no you get to that point. Lines, but there's plastic <laughs> coins. You're walking around with a backpack jingling full of ducats. Plastic point of fact, ducats. They're, pr they're probably not plastic anyway. They're probably some sort of composite. No, no. They just couldn't conceive of back in the day. They said plastic. I'd read composite. They just didn't have that word. In no, it says plastic. But, Scott, please read, read to us Domar. from the Book of Gamma World. <laughs> okay. The Domar was the basic monetary unit of the world before the Holocaust. It is a lightweight coin inlaid with colors uh, and symbols denoting various denominations and nearly indestructible. Because that's <laughs> important. You want Casino to, chips. To, to burn up or something, you know. Um, this is like... This feudal tyrant's idea of good money, you know. Um, <laughs> well, they also have they also use gold pieces of Gamrold as well. So there you go. <laughs> since the nature of the Domar makes it impossible to counterfeit, it is still used widely as a means of exchange. Who would want to counterfeit it? <laughs> what? Oh my God! Um, yeah, you however, wouldn't be able to. <laughs> Since it is possible that the ruins of an ancient bank may be found in the wilderness, there is the possibility of new Domars being released into the economy Yay. by the adventurers, thus destroying the value of a settlement's trade goods. You know, you know what? That is almost verbatim taken out of uh, any number of D&D &D modules. I think B6, Horror on the Hill, has that almost exact same phraseology uh, when well, the player characters bring in all the gold uh, from the dungeon on the hill, they're going to destroy the economy of this. Uh, well, it, was, it was the same company who made him. It was so. a, it, right, right, and written by a lot of the same people. Remember, they only let twelve people write for the whole goddamn company for like twenty years. In twenty exactly. years, you saw the same twelve names again and again and again on the cover of everything. So, yeah. Now, another another game-related uh, commerce system I found. Uh, was I was flipping through because it was on my nightstand. Was I have a copy of I don't know if you remember Redline by uh, Horizon System by Fancy Flight Games 2003. Mm -mm, don't basically, know it. Basically, it is a a high a high speed road duels in the post apocalyptic future. Basically, they tried to make Mad Max the uh, the game with with the, with the horrible D20 system. So uh, now the currency. In there was they don't really have a currency per se, but it was the, the idea seemed uh, kind of interesting to me. I really should have bookmarked the page uh, that it was on. Hold on a second here. Let me I keep find it. They, they, they use something. Um, okay, here it is. Uh, it is equipment may be bought or salvaged. If it is bought, it is value is measured in research in resource units or RUs. This is a very abstract unit that can be used by players and GMs for ease of game mechanics. It's like they're just trying to make a system just to fluff over, but there's no real uh, definition to it. But it's kind of interesting how they say that uh, a resource unit uh, will be, can be measured in uh, three things, either a full tank of gas, a day's, a day's worth of food, or a day's worth of water. That I find interesting system that they value uh, you know, here's a tank of gas. That's going to get you X amount of material. Again, it's still like a, it's still a, a, it's a specialized barter. Consumables. It's valued in consumables. Yes. And um, I don't know if it's you guys. It's a proto currency remember. system. Yes. Yeah. What? A proto currency yeah. system. 
Yeah, but it's uh, but it, it was one of the more interesting ones I've seen where it's like, yeah, okay, no, that's that's very clever. They're kind of me measuring it, you know, mm -hmm. as well as like Richard said, you know, uh, you know, a currency could be there, you know, in labor and trade and barter. That again seems to be the most common theme in that. Now, Scott mentioned to me uh, earlier in the week was we were we were kind of talking about this beforehand. Was he remembered a currency system from a movie, one of the best. Absolute best movies out there: The Road Warrior on Water. Waterworld. Waterworld. Yep, the uh, valued in dirt and hydro. Hydro and dirt were their two sort of, and hydro being sort of the, the, the they they meant that was when they said over and over again, uh, you know, we'll call it pure hydro or whatever. Ugh, you know. Uh, and yes, it's H two O rather than salt water becomes the. Oh, and, and Kevin Costner's seed. Remember, he will oh. not direct a movie where his seed is not the most valuable commodity in the world. So, a little self-serving and pathetic, but, but don't forget that. <laughs> but it was I, also... I was, was putting that behind me. Just trying to forget. Well, well, also interesting with that is how, you know, he traded the dirt, but they gave him chits, like these, like, these again, a, lo a local currency. It's like, okay, well, now you're right. here... You got this dirt. We're going to give you these chits, and these chits have value here that you could use to buy goods, services. You know, it's like company script. Uh, I don't know if right. you guys have ever seen Company Script, but we have a old logging town out uh, on the peninsula called uh, uh, Port Gamble, and they have a museum there because it was a company town, and it was run on company currency that was right. only good at the company store. And for purchasing things in town, and after that, you know, it it was toilet paper. You know, as soon as you got away from the city, um, I would throw out a couple other. Uh, I don't know if you call them currency systems, but um, there's a novel called Dinner at Deviant's Palace, which is sort of set up in a post-apocalyptic world, where the currency system is alcohol. Um, Everyone, you have like a flask or, or something that that's like, it's measured off because it, it's sort of a raw measure of your labor because labor went into creating the grain and then distilling it down to alcohol, and now it's permanent. It won't, you know, it won't uh, rot, it won't go bad, it's got, uh, it'll get you drunk, it'll clean a wound. Um, the alcohol, hell, you can burn it for, you know, for possibly for fuel. So, again, it's like the bullets, except it has more uses than the bullets. And, but and actually, uh, when you, if you've ever watched this uh, quasi-documentary, uh, Doomsday Preppers, uh, a number of the lunatic preppers, even ones who don't drink, uh, end up hoarding alcohol because, you know, they believe uh, the imminent collapse of society that's going to happen next year, uh, is uh, that, that that's going to be the ultimate trade good. So, so actually, that's been already been adopted to some extent oh, yeah. in real life by people. Well, I agree, because uh, we were... Uh-oh. Did Mr. Wallace freeze? We'll just, we'll just keep it rolling. <laughs> he said he agreed, so, so make another point, Scott. He's kind of, he's kind of puckering there. Mm. Let's make fun of the face that Jared is making now. But, no. but, you know, going back to the whole idea of feudalism, I would, would think that in the near... Uh, post-apocalyptic uh, economy, uh, you know, let's say you're an adventurer, a wanderer, you know, someone who's going from point A to point B, uh, just trying to hunt and gather and make a life as they go. Um, when you come upon a community that's run by the local strongmen or whatever, 
they're not going to be interested in your 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 money, you know, whatever thing was had arbitrary value where you came from. It's your labor, which you had mentioned before, Scott. Uh, it's going to be your willingness to dig a ditch, uh, to kill someone, to stand on the rampart, uh, to hunt something. Uh, that is to offer uh, in exchange for food, shelter, protection. Yeah, skill set becomes more important than anything else. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, it, also, it also depends on like what uh, what stage you are in in a post apocalyptic. That's setting. right. That's exactly right. Well, because one of the things I mentioned to to Jared a few weeks ago was, uh, you know, right after the event takes place, the new banks are going to be the supermarkets until all the food is gone. The, the you know the food distribution yeah. centers for what we are used to as an, you know our economic staple that's going to be the new currency. Those canned goods are going to be worth their weight in gold because well you know gold's not going to really have much value because you can't do anything with it. I mean it's heavy. You can't really transport do, it. You, do know, you guys remember like the survivors? Do you guys remember the survivors? The British TV series from the seventies at all? Yeah, love it. Yep. There was one bit where there was a guy going around with these trucks. Uh, and he was collecting up all these cans and stuff, and he was going around and trading goods from the cities that were. Uh, you know, that's a, there's a remake of that from the '90s, uh, Scott. You know that, right? Yeah, it was, in, it, was, it was in the two. It was actually it was in the 2000s, and I watched some of it. It was the 2000s, yeah. It's not, not as good as the original. Oh no, not at all. The original, but but he was going around trading canned goods for gold, and people were like, you know. You're going to give us something that, that's worth something for this yellow metal? And he's like, sure, it's worth nothing now. But eventually things are going to get back together, and suddenly, you know, that's, I'll uh, be the richest guy in the that's, that's delusional. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. what I was going to say before, before I, I lost connection for a second, for about 30 seconds there, before I came back, I was feeding off what Mike had said, what you had said about alcohol. Like I had said uh, once, I think we were on a call. We were with we were on a call when I was on one of the, one of your guys' shows on the D Infinity Live. My opinion was that the currency, especially right after Apocalypse, what's going to be the most have the most trade value is you're going to have ammunition, cigarettes, and booze because you know. And, and, and uh, Chris countered me, he's like, "No, no, it's going to be food." But nobody's going to trade food for food. You're not going to go, "Yeah, I'll give you this can for this can." No, it's like, right. you know, I need food, but it's like, you know what? I could use some booze. I could use some cigarettes because they're not – right afterwards, they're not necessarily going to be manufacturing anymore, especially right. good cigarettes, good booze, and good ammunition. It's right. the coping mechanism that kicks in. Exactly. So I think that, I mean, won't necessarily take over completely, but I think at least initially people are going to be trading that's like, oh, I'll take some – Yeah. Oh, oh, you want this food? Yeah, sure, give me that booze. Give me those cigarettes. You know, I think that'll be uh, pretty predominant for a while. At least in my opinion, I don't know. I could be wrong, but as uh, Mike said, the, the preppers say, you know, that they're hoarding booze because they know better because they're crazy well, preppers. So they hoard, what they need to be hoarding is a still they can distill alcohol with because yeah. that's why a booze. That's right. Going out. And what they need yeah. is something that they can throw a bunch of you know half rotted wheat that they're not going to use, and you know, or something the rats got into. Well, it doesn't matter. You distill that stuff down, you're going to create a sterile solution. That's right. So, or yeah. like it, or like in Metro twenty thirty three, where since they live underground and mushrooms are abundant, they make mushroom vodka. Yeah, yeah. You people will find a way to distill whatever they've got, whatever's available. It will be because again, it's a way of preserving labor. It, it, what um, what Richard was saying about salt, you know, being okay. It's a 
yes, it's not quite a currency because, but it is a it is a, a, a weight for value thing because it has a practical application to your survival. Um, booze is the same way. Uh, alcohol is the same way. It's an antiseptic in a, in a time when we don't we're not going to be getting a lot more any more antibiotics. Um, it's a it's a you know it's a disinfectant. It's a cleaner. It's a fuel. Um, and it, you know, and it's a painkiller. I mean, as far as the medical applications, they're gigantic. Oh yeah. Um, except you know, yeah. I also think it's a it's also a blood thinner. So maybe it's not the best idea to perform surgery uh, while your patient is drunk. But you know, alcohol takes all that wheat that would just rot and turns it into something that is durable. Uh, and that's one of the durable. A durable yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, we'll start wrapping up here a little bit here. Any uh, any other interesting uh, currencies or uh, specialized barter systems uh, that anybody's encountered? Any books, movies that they that they possibly seen? Anything besides the standard? Well, I'll, I'll trade you labor for labor, or chickens for hens, or anything. This barter, any, anything in particular? Anybody seen? Um, I've seen one for an old uh, Nintendo game uh, for the NES system. They did a Mad Max game, and the the trade good was uh, cans of fuel. Mm. I mean, you're driving around going from arena to arena. I don't, I, I don't understand why, but you're going around <laughs> from arena. I mean, it's kind of like Car Wars. You're, like, going from one arena to the next to, like, duel other cars, and your reward is gas. To get to the next place? Yeah, essentially. You, you need the gas to get to the next place, but you also use that gas to, you know, to stop at like some place to get more uh, ammunition. So like the crazies that are like chasing you down, you can like kill them off before they get you so you can actually get to the next arena. Um, yeah, I would, I, I I would throw up uh, that my wife ran across something in... Um, uh, God, who is it that wrote the War Against the Kator series? You know what I'm talking about? It was a it's mm. a post, it's a post it's it's a post apocalyptic series in that the earth is being terraformed by aliens who haven't even shown up yet. They're just dropping oh. onto the earth. They're just dropping onto the earth earth these invasive species, plants that are pushing out our species and animals that are overrunning our planet, you know, and they've, you know, let us have it with a few plagues from space, so we're down to fifteen, twenty percent of our population. In the, you know, post-apocalyptic, there's still a government, there's still organization, and currency had been boiled down into something they called KCs, which were kilocalories, representing a thousand calorie units. Uh -huh. everything, was, everything was based on, all the currency was based on, again, representation of the consumable that you have to use to stay alive. Interesting. Hmm. So that, that, that's what I remember. Um, that's, that's a good one. You know, basically, yeah, currency is basically Food that you need to, like you said, consume to continue to do what you need to do. So you need, yeah. again, it's like you need food to live. So therefore, it becomes the, the primary. Like ration, it was kind of like a ration book tickets. Food, you know, food like rations. Yeah, um, that's one. Uh, obviously, Fallout went from their bottle caps <laughs> to their yeah to bottle caps, inputs, and then they went to the thing I really like, which was the new California dollar that shows up in uh, Fallout New Vegas, and I like the idea it was worth less. Because you know it was a currency of a of a place, you know, of a government that was hundreds of miles away, because you weren't inside that country's boundaries or that nation state's yeah. boundaries. The the currency was only worth like forty percent of the regular currency because you had to bank on that place surviving or getting getting to someone who would accept it. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. We mentioned it briefly. You know, of course, the famous bottle caps. Everybody knows. You know, I don't know it's. 
kind of ridiculous. I mean, even well, is it is it as ridiculous as Domars? Who knows? You know, you know it's, why it's are there, not any more ridiculous than Domars? No. But but why are there so many bottle caps well, in this I'm world? I'm going to show you guys this. This is a Nuka Cola bottle cap that some guys dressed up at uh, at. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Tax. Uh, Penny Arcade. Yeah, Penny Arcade Expo were dressed up in these really over the top, extremely well done, you know, Fallout costumes. And the guy was just giving away these Nuka Cola bottle caps that he'd made himself. You know, um, nice. They're very cool. Nice. Now, well, one uh, one one bit of news I forgot. It's just, it's a minor bit I forgot to share. I just got in the mail today uh, on Amazon on Amazon.com. It's Gone on sale. It's the cheapest, sixteen dollars for the complete series of Logan's Run, the TV series. Oh, <laughs> holy crap! For the price of a possible rental, I got the whole thing, and I can enjoy it over and over again. You're gonna need to bootleg that for me. Give me a copy, but when I see you uh, a couple months from now. Now, is your definition of enjoy different than other people's? Definition? Hey, there's nothing wrong with stuff that's camp. You know, I, I'm just going to go on the record and say that kind of attitude toward shows that were better than a lot of what's out there is why we don't have as many shows like that. People bitched and moaned like little tiny whores about Caprica. Caprica was fine. It was fine. It was a fine show. Go back and look at Galactica 1980 and then wow. shut the fuck up about Caprica. Wow. That's all I'm saying. Hey, this is what we know is this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> exactly. So that was going. All right. So I think we covered a lot of ground today. You know, we talked about a lot. You know, better understanding of what commerce economy is, uh, kind of how it would be in the apocalypse. Again, not dissimilar to what it is now, except it's just going to be different things which the society will hold of value. Okay. Now. Uh, again, good talk, guys. So let's. Uh, I'm going to go to some uh, final final words. Uh, I'll start with Mike. Any final words on the subject or anything else related to this? Uh, yeah, if people are into uh, post-apocalyptic gaming. Uh, check out our D Infinity uh, magazine. Uh, Dagon Industries Inc. is a co-publisher of this fine publication, and we have uh, post-apocalyptic game stuff in every issue of it. We just came out with volume number four. Maybe we can post the link for that. And um, we're starting production on volume number five right now. So uh, good stuff. Thank you. And just so people know, as I said in the, one of the first shows, Dagon Industries Inc. is my side business that uh, deals with the Cthulhu stuff. So I'm in I'm in cahoots with Mike. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Richard, any uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would say um, if you're gonna play any game where you get to look at the economic system and maybe tweak it yourself. Really think about what you're doing with it, you know, because like some of the points that we brought up, it really comes down to what's needed in that particular area more than anything else to determine what has value. In fact, you might even be able to take a, a cue from uh, the rules themselves because uh, even with a game like chess, there's economics involved. Like the, the, each piece has a point value or it has a number of spaces it can move. And so those are forms of currency because you have to spend like a turn, a move, whatever. And what you do with that strategically is not dissimilar to what you would do in terms of your own survival because you're making a decision on how to spin things. Very good. Thank you. I never never thought about chess like that before, but now I will not, never look at it the same again. <laughs> Scott, final thoughts? Uh, 
uh, in the subject of currency, I would just throw out one of the uh, one of the side quests from Fallout Two. Um, uh, and when you get when you play Fallout Two, the currency system has moved on from bottle caps to gold. I mean, obviously, in the last two games, three in uh, New Vegas, they went back to the bottle caps because they were funnier. Um, but there's a bit where there's like a treasure of the Sierra Madre quest where you're trying to find this map and track down this treasure that's out in the desert, and you go through all this crap to get there, and it's a Nuka-Cola truck just filled to the to the rafters with bottle caps. The only minor detail being that the currency has moved on and that now you've killed all kinds of horrible mutant creatures and possibly turned on your companions in order right. to get the, the treasure, and it turns out to be absolutely worthless. Though, though as a counterpoint to that, if in May of 1865 you had invested in Confederate currency, one bale of Confederate currency was worth one U.S. dollar. And if you sat on that Confederate currency long enough, I, once again, it would have gained some numismatic value. So, like you said, they went back to bottle caps after a point. So, if they would have sat on that truck full of bottle caps, they would have been gold. Exactly. All right, uh, my final. Th I don't have much in the way of final thoughts. I think we again covered a lot of ground here. I will. My final thoughts going to be. I'm going to pose one question because we're thinking of Waterworld, which made me think of Kevin Costner, which made me think of Kevin Costner movies, which made me think of Kevin Costner's seed, uh, the, po the Postman, which made me think of uh, Tom Petty. And I always like to pose this question to people: Is Tom Petty friend of the apocalypse? Yes or no? Because because he was in the Postman. And if you go back to the 1980s to the song, um, oh, what the hell is the name of the song? You yeah, Got Lucky? The video. the video for You Got Lucky, I think it's You Got Lucky, Babe, is all kind of leftovers from like Mad Max-ish. Oh, no, dude, it, it, it's Logan's Run. Logan's <laughs> Run car. Logan's <laughs> Run car from the TV series in there. So that's so. So the video is all post-apocalyptic, and then, then he winds up down uh, years later being in the, uh, the Postman. So... Mike, uh, friend of the apocalypse, Tom Petty. Yeah, sure. Uh, anytime uh, you're actually, uh, uh, you know, getting people interested, getting the masses interested in that kind of stuff uh, uh, on any level, uh, so that some of them can go on to deepen their interest, then I'd say, yeah, friend of the apocalypse. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Given that, um, I mean, he's a pretty famous guy. And the music video is pretty out there and then uh, Postman being what it is you know, that, that scene between him and uh, Costner he's like no you're famous man <laughs> so he's lending yeah, his fame I, to that whole thing so yeah I'd, I'd have to agree for one extra reason uh, Tom Petty was born and raised in Gainesville Florida and when I was going, growing up in Florida Petty's got 10 years on me uh, but when I was growing up in, uh, in Central Florida, required reading during the 70s and 80s in high school or junior high school, I think it was high school, was Pat Frank's Alas Babylon, which was this novel about uh, you know, a third world war that all takes place in Florida. And, and a lot of my friends who were in public schools in Florida, that was on the curriculum. You had to read this because it was the story of World War III taking place in our backyard. And... Fort Defiance or whatever the the, the, the place is that's the small town in Alas Babylon is 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 right in uh, Tom Petty's neck of the woods. Um, uh, so there's a good there's a good chance he probably read it. Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. Okay, very good. Okay, folks, again, uh, thank you very much for being here. Another successful show. Um, I haven't uh, decided yet what we're going to do for next show. I'm thinking maybe, uh, I think I'm probably thinking television in the apocalypse, television shows, mm -hmm. and I'm not, and we're not talking about The Walking Dead, and we're not going to talk about Revolution. We're not going to talk about the two most popular things that are out there. We're going to dig deep. Revolution's dig popular? Uh, apparently, I hear people talking about it. I see it on the... On, on, on yes. the Fine. It's yeah. I stopped watching it. So, <laughs> so we're not talking about that. We're not talking about The Walking Dead. I'm going to dig deep. We're going to talk about things like Logan's Run, or yeah. we're going to talk about Survivors, or uh, The Colony, or this different, you know, The Colony that that show. So different kinds of maybe try to find. I try to dig up some more obscure type TV shows. Can, can, can we talk about the miniseries America with a K? <laughs> maybe, maybe we okay. could. Apocalyptic. So no, we can't. Oh, it's, uh, it's an apocalypse <laughs> for America. It's an apocalypse for freedom, baby. That's right. So that's probably what we're going to do next. We're going to talk about some different TV shows. And, again, we'll have multiple shows talking about TV shows because there's so many of them out there. So, again, uh, again, thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, uh, who are watching us live. Thanks for joining us live. Again, we're going to archive it. It'll be on YouTube. You can watch it. Tell your friends. Again, be socially responsible. Everybody who's watching it, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter. Go to the blog, like us on Facebook, you know, just spread the word. Uh, I'm Jared, uh, the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace, and Mike Richard Scott Glancy. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see everybody in the Wastelands next week. Thank you, and good night.